All around me, I can hear loud chants against the Burmese military dictatorship, and there's barely room to stand. It's late February 2021, and hundreds of Burmese protesters with signs are walking all around me. As I look at the faces of the protesters, I see expressions of sadness, anger, and terror as they plead with their government to intervene and save their families' lives back home. I've witnessed protests before, but nothing like this. Never have I been right in the middle of a demonstration, close enough to read every poster, hear every chant, see every emotion on every face. You might be wondering what I was doing in Lincoln in the middle of the winter. The answer to that question requires some context. During my COVID gap year, I was sitting at home in New Jersey, working a tough job with long hours, and I was ready for a break. By that point, I'd spent my entire life in northern New Jersey, close to New York City, and I had never really experienced and encountered the rest of America, except on short trips and vacations. I'd probably been to more foreign countries than U.S. states by that point, and I really wanted to see more of the country that I was born in and that I've spent my entire life living in. At the same time, my friend and I had been discussing plans for a road trip for a few months. He's an Iowa native and was more than happy to show a Northeasterner like me around his geographic neighborhood. We decided to plan a road trip through the Midwest. I would fly to Iowa, link up with him in Iowa City, and we would drive all the way to San Francisco, with stops in Nebraska, Colorado, Utah, and Nevada. My goals for the trip were simple. See more of the Midwest and learn about parts of the country that I had only seen in pictures or read about in books. From what I had seen and heard, the Midwest wasn't as diverse as the coasts, so I wasn't really expecting to see much diversity during the trip, especially in Nebraska, Colorado, and Utah. Those preconceived notions I had before the road trip made what I saw in Lincoln all the more special and surprising, and the experience I had on that cold winter day in February radically changed my worldview and my view of what makes America so unique. After driving through Iowa, we made it to Lincoln on the afternoon of the second day of the road trip. Our plan was to stop for lunch in Lincoln, get a couple pictures at the state capitol building, and then hit the road again, with plans to make it to Colorado by the night of the second day. As you can probably guess, that plan changed very quickly. We arrived at the state capitol building right around noon. We parked our car in the visitor's parking lot and made our way towards the front of the building. For the past 36 hours, I had probably seen less than 10 non-white people on the entire road trip through rural Iowa and Nebraska. Then, all at once, I was immediately greeted by the sight of hundreds of Asian American protesters standing on the steps of the state capitol. As my friend and I walked closer, I could see that they were Burmese, based on the flags that they were hoisting and the signs that they held. The protesters were there to protest the recent military coup in Burma, which had overthrown the democratically elected government and replaced it with a military regime that was denying Burmese citizens basic freedoms and rights. The protesters were hoping to convince the government of Nebraska and the United States to intervene and protect the rights of Burmese citizens. People who work, like if we don't work for it ourselves, if we don't work for our communities, nobody else will. Mm -hmm. But then we are the people who are most harmed by it. That was Juan, a Hakka Chin refugee, a Burmese activist, and a junior at Stanford University. While Juan was not directly at this protest, her advocacy for the Burmese community in America has been inspirational from supporting other refugees as they navigate America to providing awareness about the situation in Burma. 21, February 1st, after that kind of unraveled in our country, it has ignited a lot of like passion and care to learn about what political advocacy can mean and does mean here in America. Some context on the coup. The U.S. State Department estimates that the Burmese military coup has resulted in 3,000 deaths, 17,000 people imprisoned, 
and 1.5 million people being displaced. I could clearly see the expressions of anger and sadness on the faces of the protesters around me. As we left the protest, I got back in the car, and we continued on our way to Colorado. I had a moment of deep reflection. I had started the road trip expecting to engage with locals in the Midwest, and I thought the cities that I would visit would be relatively disconnected from global events. But what I realized from witnessing the protest in Lincoln was that diversity is everywhere in America, and sometimes you can find diversity where you least expect to find it. My Northeastern perspective, that diversity is mostly on the coasts, and that immigrant communities should shy away from living in the heartland of the country, was wrong. I saw a flourishing Asian American community in Lincoln, Nebraska, one that was actively advocating for important issues and participating in the American political process. But perhaps an even bigger lesson I learned from witnessing the protest was that Asian Americans are now feeling empowered enough to advocate for their political interests in America. Even though I was born in the United States and became interested in American politics early on, my immigrant parents always told me to keep my head down and avoid dealing with controversial topics throughout my life. They told me to avoid activism or any other kinds of political speech that could potentially get me in trouble, and instead focus on my education and career. But witnessing the protest in Lincoln made me optimistic that this viewpoint may be changing, and that more Asian Americans are now feeling comfortable about being able to contribute to the American political landscape through events like the Burmese protest that I saw. My other collaborators on this episode, Justin Lim and Tiffany Kalingo, both have their own experiences with Asian identity and how that identity in America has guided their perspective. We thought it'd be great to have them share their own thoughts on the matter as well. Thanks for bringing the topic to our attention, Nile. I'm Tiffany Kalingo, and unlike Neely and Justin, I'm not American, but I can only imagine what it must be like being a minority in a country where diversity has always been a source of turmoil. As for me, I look like most of the rest of Singapore, where I'm from, which are ethnically Chinese as well, so unlike you guys, I'm kind of in the majority back home. For a lot of my life, I was under the impression that Singapore was sufficiently diverse and that things were relatively harmonious, but as I grow older, I'm starting to realize that that perception might be coming from a position of privilege and the echo chamber that is the Chinese majority in Singapore. Now that's not to say that there is violence or discrimination at play, but there are certainly stereotypes that continue to permeate society, especially among older generations. I just think that there isn't a lot of advocacy for minorities that goes on in Singapore. I think activism, particularly in times of peace, isn't ingrained in a lot of Asian cultures, so I'm wondering what exactly it is that warrants action and what is just comfortable enough that people are willing to bear with casual racism that isn't perceived to impact opportunity or social mobility. Justin, thoughts? Yeah, my name is Justin Lim. I'm a Cambodian Chinese American. And just being a child of immigrants who came from a war-torn country, I was advised the same as Nile of the dangers of engaging in activism, engaging in politics. There's a lot that can come out of that that won't really benefit you. Especially for my parents, they benefited so much from living in America, it doesn't feel right to protest against a country that has given them so much. If things are going well, why rock the boat? Coming back to Halan's experience, actually, she said a very similar story. I think for the Qing community, political ad- advocacy and activism 
it's fairly new because we come from a very you know politically corrupt country so in our heads in our heads are as in like the elderly and those of my parents age they see politics as something that is so corrupt and something that's harmful despite this initial very understandable advice we received as children seeing peers my age like halan still doing this type of work fighting in spite of that advice is actually quite empowering because while the perspective of not wanting to fight against the hand that has provided so much for you is an understandable one i feel our generation shifted into a different tone that expresses we appreciate everything that's been provided sure but we should still have a voice on how we can make things better thank you guys so much for weighing in with your own experiences seeing our community voicing their opinion together and in a space that allows for us to do that is what unifies and empowers us to speak up more in our spaces back home. I wanted to close out this episode with a quote from our talk with Juan, where she spoke about how her experiences with her community ties in with her activism work now. She says, I just felt really close. Really close to home being surrounded by my people and understanding that we've dealt with a lot of hardships to get to where we are i think that kind of just like experience bonds us together so i think i just want to take that you know warmth of home wherever i go thank you for listening to our episode finding hope in the midwest which is written and produced by tiffany kalingo justin lim and neelay trevetti for stanford's introduction to podcast storytelling class Music was provided from Blue Dot Sessions, sound effects from Sound Effect Factory, and our episode cover was photographed by Timothy Crow. Many thanks to Laura Joyce Davis and our fellow classmates in Oralcom 127 for a wonderful class this quarter. We wish you all the best.